What is up, guys, and welcome to another episode of the Crypto Entrepreneurs Podcast. As always, it's your host, Charles. Today, we're sitting down with Mineyear.biz to talk about the very interesting side of mining, and that is the investment side and the business side of it. A lot of the times, we talk about how to actually mine or what to mine, uh, but we don't actually talk about the business aspect of it. And because this is Crypto Entrepreneurs, I thought it would be a perfect episode, especially for all the miners out there, kind of teach them how to be a little bit more business savvy, what to be looking at. Uh, And for anyone who's not into mining, this kind of gives you an understanding of how the industry works as a whole. But before we get into all of that, a couple quick things. This is another video interview. So if you want to see the beautiful face of mineyour.biz, you can head over to YouTube. There's a link in the description below. Uh, it'll take you right to the video. I'm highly encouraging you guys do this. Gives you something to look at as you're listening. Uh, really keeps your attention, in my opinion. And the second thing, two sponsors to shout out. Eternally grateful for these guys. First is Crypto.com, one of the biggest companies in the industry. Still don't know how I landed these guys. Uh, and they've got some interesting stuff going on. So on the 26th of May, their fundraising platform, the Syndicate, is actually doing another token sale or coin sale. Uh, very hot coin right now, ICX. I believe it was known as the, the Korean Ethereum, I believe. I can't even remember, to be honest with you. Uh, but you know, a lot of people are very interested. It's seen some huge gains recently. And if you want to take advantage of this sale, you will get 50% off the price of ICX. Head on over. There's a link in the description below. On top of that, they will be giving away a Tesla soon. I know you guys have seen a couple Tesla giveaways in the industry. I can guarantee that this one will happen. Somebody will be receiving a Tesla. If you head over to their, their Twitter account, they've been announcing it. They put up a couple tweets. Uh, it's Crypto.com, I believe, as their Twitter handle, at Crypto.com. Uh, you type in Crypto.com, they will pop up. And then lastly, just got to shill those Visa MCO credit cards that I've been talking about for a couple months now. Highly suggest going over, checking out the specs, applying for it. The link in the description is below, like I've said a couple times already. Second sponsor, CoinFlip. They are the largest Bitcoin or crypto ATM company in the industry by volume, third by number of machines. Don't know how I landed this one either. It's uh, truly an honor to be sponsored by these two great companies. A couple things on them. If you head over to their website, like I said, third largest by number of machines, they've got them everywhere. Head over to the site. You can see where the closest one is. You can go check one out, use it. It's super cool. If you're in crypto and you haven't used a crypto ATM before, I highly suggest it. It's another thing to add to your kind of bucket list if you haven't done it already. Uh, And then second most important thing is their OTC desk just launched. They're really trying to compete here. They've got some of the lowest fees in the market. And on top of that, very low minimum purchases. The minimum is only $5,000. A lot of OTC desks are much higher. Uh, So there's a link in the description below. You can head on over to their website, 
see what their machines are all about, see where you can go use one, and on top of that, you can learn a little bit more about their OTC desk. Now, I know that was all a lot, and I apologize, and I thank you for bearing with me there. Now, let's get to this episode on mining. Ready. All right, perfect. So we're here with Mine Your Biz. Uh, before we really jump into the topic of mining, investing, can you just give us a little bit of background on yourself, who you are, what you were doing before you got into all this, that sort of thing? Sure. Yeah. So uh, today people know me as the guy who runs mineyour.biz, a website where we talk about pr primarily about privacy, actually, but mining is a chief consideration for privacy. Uh, people in cryptocurrency want to have fresh coins and they want to do it in a way that's not traced. One of the ways to do that is to be the first person to receive coins from a blockchain in the block reward, and that's mining. Um, so mineyour.biz is where I publish a lot. Prior to getting involved in the cryptocurrency scene, both consulting and advising on projects and to investor groups. I was a senior national trainer for Microsoft. And uh, prior to that, did a had a, a regional role with Google as a, uh, as a contract employee. And then prior to that, had a regional role with Samsung Telecom USA, also on a contract basis. It's before the gig economy, there was contract work, right? Everybody, like nobody worked for a company right. in the last 10 years. So we slowly so that made was that move. For, yeah. So yeah. very, very extensive resume. What, what made you kind of jump into this industry, this very uncertain industry in a lot of people's minds? Well, I mean, so I rattled off three companies. I worked for those three companies in just over the same number of years. So it, things move fast in the contract world. It, Google, for example, the company that I worked for, because I didn't work for Google directly, they were on a 90-day contract renewal basis. So if Google just said like, hey, we don't like your face after 90 days, we were fired. You're out. It was yeah. crazy. Like that's super fast pace yeah. for any kind of contract work. So we were scrambling like crazy. And I remember we had really high visibility at that job, uh, always performed in the top 5%. And I just thought like, okay, you know, for sure, my efforts, I was always like, senpai noticed me, I'm gonna go native, right? Now Google is gonna hire me. And it didn't happen, right? They didn't they didn't take an interest in, in what I had to offer, my talents. I, I guess their loss, I don't know, it's Google, right? Yeah, so, right. <laughs> Still their loss. Um, yeah, let's. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Right. Thank you. Thank no, you, no, Charles. No, 100%. Poor ego. So that, that's got to be kind of high stress. Was that kind of part of the reason that you decided to make this move? I just didn't miss it. So when the contracts didn't renew with Microsoft, I just didn't miss it. It was like, I'm giving myself a heart attack every 90 days right. uh, or every whatever, every contract renewal period. I'm giving myself a heart attack trying to perform my guts out for whatever our handler wants. And at that phase of career development for me, it was corporate training. So flying across the country and training a room full of anywhere from 50 to 200 employees of a, uh, of a retail channel partner for Microsoft or Google and saying, Hey, this, these are the key talking points. And, uh, but you know, doing my absolute best and performing my absolute best. And then at the end of a contract renewal period, feeling like, my individual contribution just didn't matter. Yeah, it just anyway. wasn't enough for them. Or they, they were kind of just like using you and then dropping you immediately after that. So that's got to not feel the best. This, you, I guess, have full control over what you're doing. I'm sure it feels a lot better to wake up in the morning 
and uh, go to work for kind of yourself and work on kind of development on yourself, which is beautiful. And uh, it's one of the reasons I try to get entrepreneurs on here is I, I, I could not do the nine to five. You were doing contract work, but I just couldn't do it. And so I needed to break away from that. And talking with people who have done the same is just truly inspiring to me. Nice. So when we started the interview, I misspoke a little bit. It's mind your dot biz. And I apologize for that. Um, I know you went into a, it a little bit, but before we get into kind of the bulk of the episode, do you want to give us a little bit more of a rundown for our audience that maybe doesn't know who you guys are? Sure. Yeah. So mind your dot biz is a website where we give the basically the deepest dive that any news outlet can give talking directly to the developers of cryptocurrencies. So we talk to the lead core developers of projects like uh, one that's been very popular recently is AeroChain, right? They're, uh, one of their advisors is Bully Esquire on Twitter. And then Crypto Christopher Walken, another one of their, their advisors, but did a deep dive interview with their core developer. The, you know, the, the guy actually write this stuff, write the code. We do deep dives with them and ask them intensely personal questions about why they're involved so that when people try to gauge sentiment or try to figure out what is this project really all about, they understand the ideological reasons for the founders being involved. And they understand uh, by having a bit of that getting to know you interview with the core developers, are these guys a flight risk? Are they really good at what they do? What is their background? And so we take the time to really have a thorough conversation and uh, mindyou.biz is based on that, that motion of getting to know projects at a very nerdy level, but also at a very personal level. Yeah, I, I feel like that's one of the biggest problems people have is a lot of these devs, we just don't know too much about them. They're kind of just working in the background and it ends up biting a lot of people in the ass. So you guys are providing a very valuable service. I applaud you for your deeper dives on this kind of stuff because I'm a kind of go with the flow kind of guy. I messaged you this morning. We're now sitting down for an interview. I... I probably should be more well researched than I am, but sometimes I like to just have a conversation, kind of learn from you, see where it goes. And I think those have been the interviews that people enjoy the most. Uh, but you guys are doing, you know, heavy, heavy research, which is something I, I just can't applaud you enough for. Uh, it's, it's not for me. So... <laughs> I might well, thank, need to th thank you for that. I'm I'm with you. There there are some things obviously that I'm not interested in either, right? Like I'm super glad that somebody out there is willing to be a CPA, right? Yeah. <laughs> do my taxes for me and stuff. Because that just doesn't interest but me do, at all. Do those guys find interest in it? Like, are we if we're gonna be honest with ourselves, do those guys really care? But no, just looking at you and hearing you talk about it, it sounds like you really are happy to wake up in, in the morning, do this research. It interests you a lot. You're providing a lot of value for the community. Um, so again, thank you so much for what you do. And thank you for giving us that kind of rundown. Uh, now, the specific episode I did want to talk about was, I, you know, correct me if I'm wrong in where we're going with this one, but I kind of wanted to do a deeper dive on investing in kind of the mining sector because i know a lot of people know about mining they know how it works kind of uh but they don't think about kind of the business aspect of it so do you think you could just give us like a high level overview of what goes into it and how the mining sector kind of works absolutely in simplest terms 
when you invest in mining equipment, you are investing in something, you're really investing in a business. So you're not investing in cryptocurrency, I mean, uh, in simplest terms, as opposed to purchasing coins and then trying to speculate as to what the market will do or setting specific uh, stops and puts within different, different exchanges. You're betting on mining as a business being successful over some period of time, whether it's three months or six months or 18 months, whatever your timeline is, you're betting on that business maintaining profitability over time. There so we go. some people decide, hey, because I'm betting on mining as a business, my best bet is going with this style of hardware or this region of the world. So case in point. They're miners and uh, and shout out to there's some other podcasts that are that are intensely focused on this aspect of mining. And uh, so I've got to got to give uh, give props to the, the team over at Hashrate that recently interviewed a uh, a mining operation that I was aware of. They were on my radar a couple of years ago or a year and a half ago, but a mining operation out of Kazakhstan. OK, last Legit. place I would think. <laughs> right. Because yeah, here, especially you're like, uh, you know, we're close to Canada here they get cheap power or you know maybe you know somebody from Central America South America they can get you into Venezuela or uh, somewhere close to these larger hydroelectric subsidies and you know so we we tend to think about what we know right these territories but now Kazakhstan there are there's this massive mining operation where they've been able to generate power on site so cheaply that it almost doesn't matter what hardware they they put there they're making money right they're earning profit so, uh, so yeah. So there's a lot that goes into this. There's like you're saying location, there's hardware. Can we kind of walk through each kind of one individually and do a little bit of a deeper dive? Um, and then to start kind of the conversation, cause when you think of investing in the mining sector, you think of these huge, huge companies making millions, potentially billions of dollars. Uh, but this, like you were saying, kind of goes all the way down to the smallest unit of you buying some hardware yourself and mining at home. So can we start there and talk about kind of the different levels at which you can invest in this? Absolutely. So the at-home miner or the, the, the small miner would be the at-home miner that just has, uh, they've got their municipal power running into their house. And they might, if you look at like the, uh, the switch panel, right in your basement or in the yeah. garage or, you know, you got all the different circuits for the house. You might have a few of those that don't really experience heavy load. And so you could have maybe somewhere between, between 20 and 50 amps of available power. Some people have a hundred or 150 amps of available power that they're not really using without having to do any big upgrades at home. And that would be sort of the, the air quotes, small minor, there we somebody go. that just has enough power at home that they could throw in some machines and that might represent an initial upfront cost to buy the equipment could be anywhere between $5,000 to upwards of almost $50,000, depending on what kind of equipment you purchase. So just to characterize a little at home guy. Yep. So when you say 5,000, is that the lowest barrier of entry right there? Or can you go cheaper? Cause I know there's there's stuff that you can do like real cheap and then they've got like the plug and play bullshit that like doesn't actually make you money. That's, you know, a few hundred dollars. So bare bones, I want to see like what the lowest cost of entry is. Sure. Bare bones. I, I should have been ready with show and tell. I've got some <laughs> stuff just off, just off the side of the desk here and behind the green screen. But, uh, 
that, that's like actually got shelving behind me but that's why oh, i don't want to get don't want to get you grabbing too much stuff right now but we, we could just talk about it so as far as lowest cost of entry it would be your desktop pc gamers tend to be really interested in mining because of this because their hardware is powerful enough if it's if it's powerful enough for gaming then it's powerful enough to contribute meaningfully to cryptocurrency mining so a gaming rig there we go that's that'd be the I, I personally don't game, but I'm assuming, you know, higher hundreds, lower thousands in that range. Correct. There so we go. For the price of an upgrade on your gaming rig, specifically the graphics card, that's typically where you get the most bang for the buck. But nowadays with some cryptocurrencies, if you replace the main processor, the CPU, that could give you a competitive edge in mining as well. There we go. So then this goes into the whole what kind of rig you should be running, what coins you should be looking for. I've done a couple episodes with some miners talking about those specific things, not the actual investment that goes into it. So, okay, say we're starting with these guys, right? And this is going to apply to all of them, I'm assuming. But what do you have to think about other than the hardware? Because I know the cost of power is a big one. Um, we can kind of go into what mining plays and spec mining if you want, or we could just go into, I guess, cost. Cause you know, you're buying the hardware and then there's electricity. Is that pretty much it? You know, I'm glad that you brought up the other aspect of it too, Charles, because the, the electricity it's, it's big, right? If you live in California, for example, sorry, I do <laughs> bad, bad news. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, yeah. There are some miners that live in areas of California where you're paying upwards of 22, 25 cents per kilowatt hour. And just real talk, you will literally never earn money mining in those areas. Yeah, you're you're losing money. And that's kind of, I, I don't know if you remember, I don't want to throw out any names, but there's one plug and play miner that everybody knows. And when people started doing a little bit of a deeper dive on what it actually costs to run this thing, they were spending more on electricity than they were actually mining. And so that's where this idea of being unprofitable, not even worth plugging it in and turning it on comes into play. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, so so let's uh, let's break down two two categories of investment, and this scales up. You can doesn't matter if you're talking about five dollars or if you're talking about five billion dollars. These two categories of uh, of cost, rather, not investment, uh, but capex, so capital expense, and then opex, your operational expense. So think about your upfront cost of the hardware being your capex. That's what you have to spend before you can even start mining. And then OPEX would be your power, your air conditioning, if you have to maintain a specific ambient temperature inside of a house, which may change because you're running a mining rig inside of it, or just the cost to run fans. Uh, and then any kind of pool fees or exchange fees for the ongoing operation of that mining rig. That's your OPEX. There we go. So if you're looking at this from an investing standpoint, you're going to want to create some kind of a spreadsheet for your own projections that factors both of those costs, the upfront and then the ongoing. And then in addition, so to, to answer that other, that other side of it, you do want to have some idea of what types of coins are most profitable for the site, the sorts of hardware that you're interested in buying. So case in point, that plug and play miner there are a few that are that are characterized as plug and play, but there are some that are extremely profitable, and then there are others that are, you know, the snake oil. Yeah, yeah, they're trying to mine Bitcoin from your kitchen counter, and that's just not going to work. No. So, no. sorry, I was going to say I I totally get it. Um, 
you know, I think a lot of people when they when they think about it, they think, okay, electricity, obviously, and then cost of the initial hardware. Um, two other things is obviously kind of keeping your house cool. I, I'm just curious because I don't mind myself. How much heat are these guys actually putting off? Like, are you going to notice your house, full house, getting warmer, running something from your home? You absolutely could. I mean, so the the little mining station that I have over here in my office, which is a basement office at my home, so it already stays a little bit cooler here. I use it to warm up my office during the the heater. (laughs) Yeah, it's far space heater that makes you money. Yeah, but then it goes, and because we're in the basement, it can rise up to the next level and it can heat the entire house. Okay, so these things are putting off some heat. So you do have to think about cooling these guys, fans, that sort of thing. And then the last thing that you got to think about, right, is the hardware does eventually kind of become unprofitable if I'm not, if I'm incorrect in saying that, please correct me. Uh, but eventually they just kind of burn out. You need to upgrade your, your hardware, get new graphics cards. Is that you know correct in saying? Uh, yes and no. Okay. That's why, yeah, paying attention to what certain cards are good at or what certain mining rigs are good at because there are other types of mining rigs too. There are some, there's a whole category of mining rigs called FPGAs, and they're not generally useful for gamers or for any, any other kind of at-home computing but they can be useful for data centers. So, uh, but then they're highly specialized, right? You have to be ultra nerdy to decide that you want to start mining on one of these FPGAs. Okay. So that's not the go-to from the (laughs) get-go. No, no. If you're looking at like, yeah, I want to get my my gaming rig earning me some extra coin when I'm not playing games or whatever, 20 or 22 hours a day. Um, Or if you're not like a big gamer, you know, six days a week, I want to earn crypto. This might not be the obvious choice, However, it, you're looking at the same level of investment actually up front for some of the hardware. It's just, yeah, it, it can have a longer tail of profit, but there's a little more pain in terms of figuring out how to set the thing up and how to change from one coin to another. So it, it is a pretty deep rabbit hole, man. I mean, as far as figuring out exactly which coins you should be mining, it is a big question, but I think it's one that it's worth wrestling with up front before you spend a single dime. Yeah, 100%. And I feel like, you know, mining has been talked about a lot. It's been normalized by some of these kind of plug and play guys that we've been talking about. And it's just everyone kind of just thinks it is like, oh, you know, set up a mining rig. It'll start printing me money. Uh, They don't realize that even at the smallest level or the lowest level, it is a business that you are running. It's not very profitable or I mean, I shouldn't say very profitable, but you're not generating a lot of revenue, but it is at its core a business that you are starting, even just setting one up in your home, very low level. So after this kind of first low level investment into a rig at your home, uh, there's an in-between step between them and these mining titans that we do know of. Uh, So there's kind of that intermediate level. Uh, Can we get into some of the differences there, if there are any, or if this is simply just dump more money in and it scales? Sure. And then I appreciate that question. There are a couple of different ways to approach it. And what you said before, Charles, I I just love to reiterate that. Treating it like a business from day one, regardless of scale, is always the best plan because then you don't have to worry about like, oh, did I plan for taxes? Yeah. If I'm (laughs) going to sign to exchange. 
so I, I, I'm sure you've seen me ranting about my Amazon Discord on on Twitter a lot. And I think that's one of the biggest things that we've been trying to teach people from the get-go is like, you know, you think of like this little side hobby, you're flipping products that you're finding at the store on Amazon or eBay. Cool, there's going to be a little extra money in your pocket. If you're not thinking about it as a business from day one, it'll never scale. You'll just always kind of have that hobby. And that's the last thing we want. And I'm assuming in this industry as well, kind of the same thing, unless you're just a little bit interested and you want it to be a hobby. But if this is something that's going to be making you money, you definitely want it to be looked at as a business and take into account like all the stuff that a normal business would. For sure. For sure. And to your point, if you want to, I mean, good grief, man. If you want to spend ten or $15,000 on a hobby, get a motorcycle, dude. <laughs> really. Like, Do something less nerdy. Yeah, right? Like, uh, yeah, nobody's nobody's picking up girls with their mining rig. I promise you. <laughs> hey, man, there are a couple girls on crypto Twitter that might be interested in that sort of thing. But maybe. Yeah. Depends may on the hash rate. Maybe. Yeah. But uh, no, yeah, there's other hobbies. I mean, I don't want to discourage anybody from spending as much money as they want on any sort of hobby, uh, but I think there are better hobbies out there. So turn this yeah. into a business, please. Yeah, yeah, totally This agree. is the Crypto Entrepreneurs Podcast, for God's sake. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, not the Crypto Hobbyist. You know, exactly. why isn't there a Crypto Hobbyist Podcast? Oh, no, I do not need a third podcast in the mix. <laughs> don't even tempt me with that idea. I think it would just feed into crypto is depressing, actually, because well, that we both one's disagree. pretty much on the way out. That that one uh, finding guests for that one has been tough. You know, no one's depressed anymore, so no one wants to come on and tell their depressing stories. Yeah. Well, the, if you uh, find miners that didn't treat it like a business, I promise you, they failed, and they would make it a perfect <laughs> fit for that other podcast because it was just a hobby. Right? So, exactly. Yeah, to your point. I can go find one of those guys. But okay, but to ba you, back to the kind of scaling part of it. What kind of yeah. takes you to the next level? It really kind of is just the the level of investment. However, you outgrow the facility. So a couple of things need to happen. You either need to expand the amount of power that's being brought to that single point of your home, at which point you're talking to the local utility. You're probably having to get them set up an additional uh, meter or box that at, at that point, you've got the switch tracks, right? Where from an operational standpoint, you have to hit the switch tracks where it gives you an opportunity to think about, okay, have I set up a corporate entity for my mining efforts? Have I properly planned for taxes? Because I'm going to expand power, I'm going to invest in infrastructure. Like, am I just mining under my own name as a sole proprietor or am I forming an LLC or whatever? So just a lot of things come into play when you expand that infrastructure. So you may as well just go to a different location and either rent or sublease a warehouse, even just a small warehouse to put your mining rigs in and some place where you have permission to make some modifications, putting like really ultra high airflow fans into a couple of doors or opening up windows to put in those really massive fans that you see at data centers. They don't cost too much if you're doing some of this yourself, uh, but that's what happens. It starts to look a lot less like mining at home and it looks a lot more like the really big industrial mining operations but smaller there we go so just a smaller warehouse but these are some of the things you need to take care of is you know is this going to be a full-blown llc kind of reduce some of that risk take the liability off of you taxes are going to be a big play in this one um 
what what's the I'd say dollar value looking like at this point with regards to money spent on investments? Oh my gosh. I know uh, it's tough. Yeah, no it really is. Mining it's a very difficult proposition to when you're pitching to investor groups that are ready to that are ready to put forth less than a few million dollars in capitalization. The at-home miner of course you do it be kind of for the hobby aspect the love of it but you start to scale a bit more and it's like uh unless you've got a couple million to lose on a speculative play then you're going to be a hard prospect for a guy like me to pitch got it okay so i was going to ask is there any way to kind of make that transition from at home miner to this next kind of intermediate level without any sort of investors coming on board um, but it sounds like it's a pretty big leap from you know, the, the small time at home stuff to setting up your own warehouse. Well, there is one way, Charles, and that, uh, that is you want to go with a group of uh, friends essentially, or associates, and you want to create something of a co-op model. There we so, go. yeah, you can do a co-op model. There are some miners that do that where, you know, each guy is in for somewhere between again, a few thousand up to maybe 50 K each, you get past that point and it's like, uh, you really need to be thinking about how you're structuring this on your own to limit your liability and not be involving other people, but you get enough people who are approaching it at that level. And it's not too difficult to say like, Oh yeah, there are five or 10 of us. We'll all get a warehouse together. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I'm sure there's some more headaches there because there's a lot of different things that go into decision-making on coins still at this point, or are these kind are these guys kind of focusing on the top guys at this point? They're kind of focusing, yeah, great question. They're typically focusing on some of the larger cap coins. Anytime you get past the at-home mining hobbyist level, you have to be thinking about top market cap coins. Or if you're doing a spec mining play, you better really understand what you're doing and uh, and not go all in on it. Because I was going to say, is it, is it kind of the case where you divert a little bit of your entire operation to this spec play? and then kind of stick with some of the higher market cap guys with the majority of what you're doing. Absolutely. That's totally way to do it. And once you get into that warehouse, you'll know your costs so intimately, again, that OPEX, because over time, your highest cost for mining is always power. Like yeah. the hardware, it fades into distant memory as you, you know, as you mine for longer periods of time, because there, there are going to be some periods like right now, depending on where you live, that upwards of 70 to 80 percent of what you bring in in cryptocurrency has to go towards infrastructure costs like power got it it's like again you look at you compare it to like i don't know you guys want to you guys want a really like profitable business idea let me convince your audience not to mind um <laughs> want a really profitable business idea like seriously go uh, instead of renting a warehouse go buy Glad a self-storage unit like if you're getting into real estate go buy us like a self-storage You'll earn your profit margin will be like so much higher, right? Than mining crypto. There's there's absolutely no operating costs there, or not absolutely none, but next to none. Um, so when you get to this point, I'm assuming that you are taking into consideration where you're going to be mining to get the best sort of, I guess, costs on electricity. Are you like for someone who's at this point, say I'm in California, obviously wouldn't put it here. Would it be the move to say, hey, I'm going to stay in the state still, but I need to find a state that has much cheaper electricity costs? 
Yeah, absolutely. So it wasn't that long ago that I had a guy from Southern California ask me about a, uh, ask me about, I can't reveal too much detail about where, where he was looking at setting up. Um, Cause this is like one of the, it's one of those things. It's, it's like, it's like what, you, what you're doing with the discord group where it's like, you can't name the product or niche because exactly. then everybody goes and like they, they spoil it. Um, so, but there was a guy in Southern California who said, Hey, I'm scoping this specific area of Southern California. He was away from the major, major cities and away from the major municipal utilities that gouge everybody. Um, and and he said, I'm going to, I want to set things up this way. Can you help me figure out how to A, generate power on premises, B, co-generate power from heat, and then, uh, and then also like uh, C, deal with a specific environmental factor that's a problem for us. Because uh, some places, right, you'll just have that, like excess rain in the Northwest, for example, or humidity and uh, excess dust, right? If you go out to someplace like Arizona and heat, like it's just way too hot, you're in the desert. Yeah. Uh, but this guy had a, a couple of considerations because Charles, like you're saying, he wanted to know, can I keep this close enough to home that I can drive to a warehouse and actually look at my rigs? There we go. That makes sense. Uh, I feel like if you're going to do it local, you do need to find kind of these perfect spots for them. If not, you're probably moving somewhere else within the country at least. Uh, at this level, are you considering completely just picking up, packing up, and moving to another country, or is that kind of saved for the top dogs' highest level? That's the top dogs' highest level. Yeah, that is that is the uh, the champagne and caviar version of mining, <laughs> for sure. which is ironic because you look at the facilities and they're like super bare bones, like you know, exposed, rusty nails everywhere, like dangerous work site, hostile work environment. <laughs> right? Because like, I'm assuming it's in these countries where that's kind of overlooked. Pretty much. <laughs> there we go. So yeah. really quick, because I'm a doofus and I'm sure some of my audience is probably wondering this as well, because you said this guy wants to go look at his you know, hardware and actually be able to see it. What what exactly is there any like upkeep that needs to be done at the warehouse? What are you doing? Like, where do you do all of the actual like upkeep and maintenance on this kind of stuff? Sorry, yeah, the a, words are not coming to me because I don't know shit all about mining, and I apologize. No, no, no. This is great, and it's so it's so important to think about it in practical terms, Charles. Because like you can nerd out about this stuff in the same way that you'll hear guys who are finance nerds nerd out about financial products, and you're like, dude, nobody speaks your language. That like, was me before I quit. You know, I was a big finance guy. I worked at a bank. I was an analyst, and I nerded the fuck out over that shit. And <laughs> you realize that like nobody else understands what you're talking about, and they definitely don't care. Yeah, pretty much. So yeah, no, I think you said it. I think you summed it up perfectly. As far as doing the upkeep on the equipment, yeah, there's some stuff that you need to be there in person to fix occasionally. A really big cost center is uh, just small pieces. And I do have something right on hand for show and tell. You like get little stuff like this, little hard drives and uh, SSDs that just go bad occasionally. There we go. Or a bit of RAM, uh, right? Like the little uh, memory that you have to stick into a computer to make it boot up in the first place. It, the stuff will just stop working if one of these little components goes bad. Now, other stuff, physical hardware, things like, uh, so again, he's just, just a screw. That tends to stay pretty good. Shelving tends to stay just fine. All the stuff that you build up around the mining rigs, normally just fine. It's pretty sturdy stuff. But electronics can be really sensitive at times. There so we go. Got to replace some of those small pieces. 
So stuff like that kind of just goes bad every now and again. So how do you kind of get notified when this stuff just stops working? Like, are you at home and you get some sort of blinking, flashing red lights? Like, hey, we're no longer making you money. Like, I'm trying to boil it down to simplest, dumbest terms. And obviously that's not exactly how it goes. But how are you kind of keeping up with that end of things? Yeah, that's, a, that's actually a really great question. If you don't set up systems to alert yourself, then the systems don't exist. Imagine, for example, are you familiar at all with probably with not. like home automation or like alarm systems a for a house a little bit I, I can't say that i'm an expert in any sense <laughs> okay so let's just say you move into a brand new house but they never put any kind of an alarm system or home automation system into it and you had to install all that by yourself that's kind of like mining imagine that it's just a warehouse and there's like not even furniture or anything in it at all like that's mining yeah the warehouse is empty. Nobody's Everything like sitting you put in there it. monitoring things at a desk or anything like that. It just sits there and runs. Yeah, exactly. Everything you put in there, it it only does what you tell it to. So if you don't create systems that will alert you, if you don't further create systems that will uh, cycle the power of different computers from a remote location, then it does nothing other than what you told it to do when you last visited the location in person. There we go. And are you able to make these changes on the fly at home or do you need to go to the actual warehouse and figure this stuff out while you're there? Depends on how you, what kind of software you get running on your miners to begin with. So I've got, again, show and tell here. This is the easiest way to make sure that happens. Just a USB drive with some kind of mining operating system that runs on it. And I showed the SSD before, right? Yeah. The, yeah. So that's a popular way to go, but the easiest way to go is to have some kind of a mining operating system. They're, the most popular basis for those mining operating systems is Linux, not Windows. But the best operating systems for mining, they'll have a sort of internal notification system built in to tell you if a rig is down or if you got a mining rig that has many GPUs inside of it, it could even tell you exactly how many GPUs and which ones are down. So when you visit in person, you can see visually like, all right, well, you know, from a, from a command line terminal, it says uh, PCIE uh, ID number XO underscore zero zero eight. And it's like, dude, what? Like, physically, right. what does that mean? Yeah. But some of these really good mining operating systems, they'll, they'll be able to give you an indication when you walk towards it, like it'll make all the other GPUs spin their fans really fast. So you can see, oh, that one is not spinning its fans. I can tell. Got it. So, okay. Yeah. See, because I, I, I'm thinking of just like this. You're looking at a screen. It's got each one of your rigs in a row on there, and one of them starts blinking red, and you're like, all right, that's the one. Got to get over to that guy. You figure out where it is in your little grid of shelves. Um, yeah. So there are kind of some things like that with regards to like the fans that will be spinning fast that give you some sort of indication. Um, so that kind of gives me a little more insight into it. Sorry for these very, very naive questions. It's no, not at all. They're, they're, well, there, I mean, it makes sense. Otherwise like that moment also, like you're describing seeing the little readout with a little blinking light, like, Oh no, that system is down. Like, yeah. You know, it's like whatever, uh, uh, Sam Jackson and, uh, in Jurassic park It's very Hollywood. Screen, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hold on to your butts. Like, you gotta go change your mining rig. Like, yeah. Yeah, that Hollywood gave me my kind of in how I was envisioning it, jokingly, of course. Um, so, okay, we got the intermediate. Can we just go up to those la that last level of 
kind of the big top dogs, the champagne and caviar, as you were saying. Is there anything else that goes into that sort of setup? How do you make the jump from small-time warehouse to some of those bigger guys? So the primary difference is can be summed up in two words, power distribution. So with that mid-scale, you might be taking a an industrial power panel like we talked about spin in the garage right you see the power panel all the switches and stuff right the, yeah. the circuit breakers there in a warehouse where you're mining at the mid-scale you might have a much bigger panel right and the utility could come in and, and build that for you at the large scale you're doing all of the power distribution entirely from scratch i mean literally taking a bare ultra high voltage wire <laughs> and hiring somebody to put in all the transformers and all like a panel, then sub panels, cabling with massive conduit that runs uh, megawatts and even gigawatts of power over to other staging areas and other sub warehouses. So it winds up being this pretty big engineering feat that involves a team of electricians. Okay, there we go. And I'm assuming you're working with whatever local government or maybe even up at a higher level government uh, when getting these set up, like it's, it's a big production. So you got to be working very closely with them. I'm assuming. Yes. Depending on where you live, for example, here in the United States, you'll have some, some States where power is deregulated. And so it's not a function of federal government and it's not a function of state government. It's entirely privatized. So, I mean, I less America. It's great. Yeah. You can just go talk to somebody that owns he literally owns a hydroelectric dam and say, hey, I see you own a dam. Can I buy your power? And you can just make that contract with them directly. Beautiful. But yes, when you go to like Kazakhstan, you wind up having to talk to the Kazakh government there and you wind go. up having to hire private security, like literally ex-Blackwater dudes to come watch your back because <laughs> you could get jacked while you're, <laughs> while you're in the middle of BFE Kazakhstan. Right. Okay. So that, that was kind of my, my next question was like, say I just had way too much money and I wanted to just go highest level right now. I'm thinking, you know, could I just go and walk into one of these places and be like, yo, I got big dick money right here. I want to set up in your country. I want to get my giant mining operation kind of set up here. Is that something people can do? Yes. Okay. It absolutely is. But when you're talking about like, again, when you're, when you're qualified at that level, then, you know, it's like, um, these are the same people that, you know, they don't ask what anything costs, right? They know what doors are open to them. Yeah, there we go. Um, and also this comes with, you know, teams of investors. I'm assuming there's nobody that's running a single operation this large by themselves. I could be wrong there. It could be, but it's also possible that it's not. So case in point, sorry to bring up a dirty characters or, you know, unlike oh, characters care. in the crypto scene, but, you know, CSW, right? CSW and Calvin Air. Yeah. They, they uh, both own a controlling interest in massive mining farms and – you know, Calvin is a, an ultra high net worth individual. So he doesn't need additional investors to make that dream become a reality when popping up a, a mining operation like what we've been describing. There we go. He can kind of just do that on his own because of how much money he's got. And you're right. People don't like him. But this, you know, we're sticking to just the investment side of things. You got to leave your emotions out of the investment side of things. 
lot of people bring their emotions into business and it causes them some huge headache. So let's leave those at the door. Um, I'm just trying to think, is there anything else that kind of we have missed in this beginner, intermediate and high level phase? No. And Charles, I think you underscored it perfectly there by talking about how you have to leave your emotions at the door. And that translates into hardware purchases, coin choices, power, uh, choosing a, an area in which to set up shop based on power costs. Sometimes even, I wouldn't say the partners that you choose to go and co-invest with, because obviously, as you know, trust is everything. Of course. Uh, yeah. When it comes to, yeah, setting up business people. But but for that reason, right, you don't go, generally, you don't go setting up business with your best friends for the most part. Yeah, 100%. Uh, and again, going back to this kind of emotions and location, even, you know, you talked about the guy who said, I want to stay close to home. And that probably cost him a little bit of money. I, it sounded like he found a gem of a spot, but it probably still ended up costing him a little bit of money. Uh, I don't think anyone's dream is to go set up in bumfuck nowhere, Kazakhstan. You know, it's cheap there. They can work with the government. They can get it all set up or work with someone who can supply them power pretty easily, I'm assuming. And so it may not be ideal on the emotional side of things, but on the investment side of things, it sounds like a home run. Yes and no. You figure, again, back to the very beginning of the conversation, Charles, mining is a business. You're not investing in an asset class. You're not even investing in hardware per se. You're investing in a business. Think about it like as if you were uh, you were buying a uh, a franchise car wash, right? One of these drive-through car wash franchises that are popping up everywhere, or you're buying a laundromat or something. Uh, like all the headache, all the baggage, everything that comes with it is what you're buying. You're not just buying coins, right? So with this operation that's setting up in Kazakhstan, they had to make the inroads with the Kazakh government. They had to talk to whoever also had the controlling interest in the land. They had to talk to whoever could assist them in doing the power distribution. They had to talk to whoever they had in the in that region that had enough skilled labor to actually set up all the warehouses because they have a dearth of skilled labor, right? They got a shortage of skilled labor versus other areas of the Middle East and other areas of, uh, of the world, right? So they like they had to build a lot. They had to invest a lot before they even got that very first miner set up in a warehouse and could flip one switch. Yeah. Before all of that, there's so much going into it. And I think that was a lot of the stuff that I wanted to cover on kind of the top dog guys. Cause there's way more to think about. You're not just renting for the intermediate guys. You're not just renting a warehouse and flipping a switch after you put everything in. It's, you know, developing these relationships, sourcing labor, yada, 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 getting all of it built up from the ground up. So I appreciate you kind of going through everything that's involved in that sort of section of it. Um, again, just want to throw it out there. Anything else that you think we missed with regards to kind of mining as an investment? No, and I just, I think it's worth reiterating probably. You summed it up really well. Keep your emotions out of it, but especially with coin selection. Uh, there are some people who say like, oh, well, that project, I can't believe and look at the founder or look at what they look what they did, you know, two years ago. And I'm sorry, the exchanges don't lie. If one coin is more profitable for you to mine based on the, the hardware profile that you have to the tune of 20, 30%, I mean, translate that to any other business. Would you turn down a 20 or 30% bump in profit margin? 
Probably not. I mean, there are people who do, and I think that gets into, I guess, uh, I don't know the exact word for it, but investing with kind of your beliefs in mind. So I know there are people who do that, and they do take the hit to their portfolio. Uh, there's stock portfolios that have this kind of stuff in mind. There are businesses who won't practice certain things. So you make compromises, but I think it's a little bit harder in this industry. Or you shouldn't be making these compromises. Like, for example, you know, a lot of people think Justin Sun is a shitty person. And this is a terrible example because can't mine tricks, right? There's no, no Tron mining. Um, right. So... A terrible example there, but for the for the everyone who's listening, well-known guy, shitty guy in my opinion. I don't know if I can say that on air. Um, a lot of people think it's you know just a scam in general, but if you're if you're making considerably more money mining Tron again, not possible, right? I'm like way out of the loop here. I'm a fucking idiot. Um, like I said, not well researched on these episodes and it's starting to fall apart here, but. <laughs> If you can make more mining Tron, for example, in this example, um, you're going to do it, even if you don't like Justin's son. Um, and I think that's kind of what you were getting at there. Pretty much. At the end of the day, when it comes to crypto in, in particular, because you, because what you're being rewarded in is an asset class that then has a market value on exchange. It, I mean, and this goes into, we're, we're, we're touching on the border of, you know, almost giving advice here. So hashtag okay. of that. Hashtag not advice. Yeah. Shit. Okay. I shouldn't be giving yeah. <laughs> actual Here, my advice. Crucifix. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is all on me guys. No, nothing on you here. Um, but yes, again, not financial advice. 100%. Let's just drop it and move away from it. Cause I conversation started falling apart there, man. Um, yeah, right. On my end, but, definitely not on your end. Uh, but when you're mining though, to your point, if, if it were even possible to mine Tron, and it wound up being wound up being a thirty percent bump in profit. I promise you, my community would be hearing from me like, "Hey, go go mine Tron, and then go trade it, like insta trade it, like set it up for instant exchange on like Coin Switch or right or Changely or something, and take out the maximum daily on one of these uh, these instant swap exchanges, and just swap it out for a coin you actually do believe in, and then uh, you know whatever. If it helps your conscience feel better. Uh, take the additional five or ten percent margin that you just got, and go bless those developers of that other toy project. Love right? it, right? Like, Absolutely hit up their 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 treasury fund with that. Yeah, there we go. Perfect way to kind of navigate these these waters if you don't believe in a certain project, but it is actually more profitable. Um, so, moving away from that dumpster fire, and I apologize again to you and my audience. Uh, I always like to ask the question, you know, what are you most excited for in the coming 12 months? I know you have some stuff that's pretty big that you can't fully get into. So can I poke you to get a little bit out of you on that one? Uh, what I can talk about publicly is this. I am extremely excited about, and we talked about this right offline, but I'm extremely excited about crypto e-commerce and specifically non-custodial crypto e-commerce. I think we are at a crossroads right now with the, with the money printing machine just going full tilt. It's insane. Uh, there's so many people who are just saying like, hey, I, we want crypto. We, we're interested in crypto. We would love to be able to accept crypto and have circular economies of crypto. 
And, you know, they're not talking about like cutting out the IRS or whatever. They're not trying to, they're not trying to do anything criminal. They just want to try to cut out the dollar. Yeah. And I'm right there with them. I'm excited. I love it. Don't want to poke too much, but you mentioned e-commerce. Everyone on Twitter knows that I run the Amazon Discord. So this is huge for me. We are going to have to talk offline at some point. Um, I'm excited. I, going back to the IRS point really quick. I tweet a lot about getting rid of the IRS. We don't need to get into that. But for my followers, you know what I'm about there. Um, okay, so that's as much as you can go into. I don't want to get you into any kind of legal trouble. I won't push anymore on that one. Um, always like to end the episode with a biggest tip. We've talked about so many already. I think my biggest tip personally would be to leave your emotions at the door when investing. Uh, but I wanted to get your biggest tip on investing in the mining sector. Uh, and I'm assuming most of my audience is on the lower tier. You know, they potentially got an at-home rig. They might be thinking about getting one set up. What's your biggest tip for those guys? Biggest tip is to start with what you have. Take full inventory of what you have. And if you can mine with what you have today, then use that as a laboratory to see how will this scale. Got it. Okay. So if you've got your gaming computer or something like that, you've got a nice shelf sitting in your house, Nice cooling fans. Start there is what I'm, I'm assuming you're saying here. Yes. Perfect. Um, okay, then actually I'm going to push you a little bit harder on that one. What about for the guys who already have something set up? You know, it's their, they've had their first rig for a while. It's been churning along nicely. They want to take it to the next level. What about those guys? So for those guys, what I'd say is be a lot more methodical about your projections. And if you haven't been using a spreadsheet to start really tracking what all of the prospects are between projects that you've already been mining successfully and projects that you could be mining either on a spec play basis or just like the, the safest stuff, right? The nice hash, if you're familiar with that service where you just, you give them your hash rate and you get Bitcoin in exchange or similar services like WarriHash. Um, I want to name some competitors there because uh, nice hash has, has too much of the, the market. There we go. Uh, but uh, Wara hash and similar type of hash rate aggregators, you might do better on one, but unless you actually put together your own crypto folio and, but geared towards mining, like you already, if you've been doing it for a while and you don't have data, you don't have market data to figure out exactly where you're profitable, then you're not running it like a business. You're not treating it like a business. So get your butt in gear, get a spreadsheet going, treat it like a business. There we go. Stop treating it like a hobby. Go buy a motorcycle. If you're going to be treating something as a hobby and dumping this much money into it. You get more chicks. Yeah. You just will. <laughs> Love it. And we know crypto Twitter needs that. They're always talking about getting a girlfriend. Um, okay. That pretty much wraps up the episode. Is there anything else you think my audience should know? Anything else you want to plug? Anything like that? Uh, yeah. So I think as far as a shameless plug, no, check out mindyou.biz. No yeah. No shameless plug, please. Sorry. I kind of talked through that one more time. <laughs> so shameless plug, check out mindyou.biz, uh, because we practice what we preach. We do crypto e-commerce there and we engage in print on demand and drop shipping. We do mining equipment liquidation. So we fully vet products that are on the site and we accept over two dozen types of crypto. And again, I can't go into detail about how we achieve this, but we are, they're fully custodial. I do not pay a percentage of the crypto that I earn on that site to anyone in order to accept it. 
Jesus, man. Big things coming from you guys. Do we have any kind of dates or time frames for that? Uh, soon, TM. Soon, okay. <laughs> Being so mysterious, I love it. Um, okay, thank you so much. I really appreciate you sitting down. This has cleared a lot up for me because you know the mining sector has always kind of just been this unknown for me. I don't really know what goes on behind the scenes. Uh, so thank you so much for sitting down and kind of explaining it all to us. Uh, really do appreciate it. Thank you for having me.